Well, good evening, Grace Church. It is so good to see all of you here tonight. Look at somebody, tell them you're glad to see them in the house of the Lord. Amen. All right. I, I heard and felt your enthusiasm. It seems like you really meant it, so I'm glad. I'm so glad all of you are here. Those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, thank you for joining us tonight and making this service a part of your evening. I do want to remind you of just a couple of things before we uh, really launch into our the main part of our service. Do remember that this coming Sunday we will be participating in communion together. Uh, so prepare your heart, prepare your spirit for that service. And I just think that's going to set us up beautifully for the coming for the for the week following and going right into Easter, uh, which is my next announcement. Easter at Grace, of course, Easter this year on April 9th. So we want you to come out. Bring somebody with you. Sometimes folks will come on Easter when they won't come any other time. So bring, bring somebody, invite them, see if they'll come out with you uh, and be blessed by Easter at Grace. Final announcement, youth camp registration is open. Uh, if you have not yet registered for youth camp and are planning to go, uh, I would advise that you go ahead and do that as soon as possible. Um, we uh, I, 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 There was a little bit of a... Uh, mix up on Monday. It actually didn't open until five o'clock in the afternoon. We were all kind of expecting first thing Monday morning, but it did open. It was at five o'clock in the evening, so it is all open now. And so if you have not, take advantage of that. Amen. Amen. If you got it, say, I got it. Awesome. Stand with me, if you will, before pastor comes to the pulpit uh, with the word of the Lord. We do want to go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Uh, just ask his blessing, his anointing, his sanction on this service. And then also we had a very special request uh, called in just before uh, church to pray for Annie and Bryce. And God knows all about that need, all, knows all about that situation. But these individuals are depending on us to call their name uh, and, and pray the prayer of faith. And so we're going to do that tonight in Jesus' name. Would you join me in prayer tonight? Lord, we just enter into your gates with thanksgiving. We enter into your courts with praise. It is a privilege to be here tonight, to be in your presence, to be in your house. And I pray, God, that your anointing would flow through this place, through this campus. Everything that is said, everything that is done, let it be done to the glory of God. Let it be done in Jesus' name. Let it be anointed. Prepare our minds and our hearts for your word, Lord. Anoint your word, Lord, to be uh, a light unto our path, a lamp unto our feet. And I pray tonight for Annie and Bryce. God, in Jesus' name, I speak into that situation. I speak into that need. And I pray that you would work, Lord, and that you would do your sovereign will. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you would, just clap your hands to the Lord as pastor comes to the pulpit. Thank you, Brother Dave. Great to see all of you here tonight. Before you're seated, if you're close to somebody, give them a fist bump and tell them you have a nice smile. If they haven't seen it in a while, show it to them real quick. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I appreciate all the audience participation here tonight. That's wonderful. Thank the Lord. Great to see you. God bless you. You may be seated. Great to be here tonight. I'm glad that you're here, and I'm glad that I'm here. And I'm glad Jesus is here. Thank the Lord. I'm come tonight to have a, a great time in the Holy Ghost. I have. And uh, uh, I've got on my shouting shoes tonight. And uh, 
just want to see what God's going to do. Uh, said, okay, if I preach a little bit here tonight, kind of like we did a couple of Wednesday nights ago, thank the Lord. One of our young people walked up uh, Wednesday night before last when we were done. He said, Pastor, I love altar service on Wednesday night. It's encouraging when you hear that from one of your young people. It's inspiring. Thank the Lord. What a great time we had here Sunday. And uh, thankful for such an outpouring and moving of the Holy Ghost. And thankful for what God is doing here at Grace Church. Did anybody notice anything different when you walked in? Amen. Uh, if you didn't notice, we've completely refurbished. I say we. We have a mouse in our pocket. Uh, have refurbished the lobby. And uh, for all of those that have made that happen, uh, Sister Sheila, Brother Brad, uh, Brother Marty, others that's worked on that, thank you so very much. It's beautiful, and uh, it's not quite finished yet, and, uh, but it's, it's close, and uh, close enough that you get the idea. feels a little more roomy, and uh, certainly, uh, it's certainly beautiful. certainly compliments uh, Grace Church and who we are. Another room that I'm very happy with, very thankful for, that I have thought about for years and, and since we've been in this building, actually, and finally made it happen. But right through this door going down the side of the platform, going through that door, uh, we have finally made a room when we baptize people that they can change their clothes and what have you, uh, get completely dressed to come back out to the sanctuary without having to walk all the way down the hall wet to the restrooms and what have you. And I am excited about that, and I am calling that our nursery. Not the natural nursery out here, but a spiritual nursery. This is what we can provide for people who are being baptized, who are starting a relationship with Jesus. And I'm excited about that. Thank the Lord. I want everyone to know, and I can depend on Sister Landry for helping me with this, that is not a storage closet for any reason, ever. I don't want to have to walk in there and baptize somebody. you got to move stuff and move it out. We have storage rooms, what have you. That is not one of them. Am I saying that clear enough? Y'all got that point? Uh, I'm thankful for it. If you have time after church, stick your head in the door. It's beautiful. And I'm very thankful for it. And again, I just... Really applaud those that, that's made all of this happen to make church Grace Church more beautiful. And uh, uh, we want to get our campus back up and running. Things are going amazing right now, and I'm excited, but we still have a ways to go. What we need to do next is fill up all these chairs. And that's, that's our goal. That's what we're after right now more than anything else. Thank the Lord. Uh, if I can just ramble here for a minute, we'll turn to the Word of God. Our uh, new church van went to the campground uh, Friday night. I understand it was full, and uh, I've heard from a few of the people that were in it loved it, and uh, the people driving it, the people riding in it. Uh, I'm very thankful for it, and I'm thankful for an amazing group of young people that can fill it up, and actually there's not enough room for all of them. And uh, thankful for parents that took their kids at, uh, in their own car, etc. But uh, again, from this past Sunday, uh, Brother Tanner Lewis Adams was filled with the Holy Ghost. Are you impressed that I knew that? Uh, I'll tell you why in just a minute that I knew that. 
I want to call your attention to Luke chapter 1, verse 39. I use Tanner as a segue into what I want to preach to you about tonight. Mary arose in those days, this is Mary the mother of Jesus, and went into the hill country with haste, with haste, into the city of Judah, and entered into the house of Zechariah and saluted Elizabeth. Elizabeth, of course, expecting who would become John the Baptist. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, Mary saying that I am expecting a baby and his name shall be called Jesus. The Bible said the babe, John the Baptist, on the inside of Elizabeth in her womb, leaped. Hinesley, stand up and just leap for me just one time. Just leap as hard as you can. I think John the Baptist did a little more than that, but, but we'll take it. Thank you, honestly. I kind of set him up for that. <clears throat> she spake out, verse 42, and she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, and whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as thy voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. I need for everybody to get on board with me tonight as quickly as you can. I want to speak to you for a little while tonight about the power of the unborn. The power of the unborn. I think it's an exciting thing when church people, church families have babies, naturally have babies. Um, I've always found that exciting every time, virtually every time I dedicate a, a baby to the Lord, I preface my remarks by saying this is one of my most favorite things to do as pastor. It's so exciting and we rejoice. According to my records, I have dedicated 50 babies since we've been in this building. Everybody say wow besides just one. Everybody say wow. wow. Say wow again. I noticed that I dedicated Tanner Lewis Adams on December the 29th, 2014. He was almost one year old according to my notes. And he was born again this past Friday night at Statewide Youth Rally. I think that's pretty cool right there. Amen. And I find it interesting, according to my records, that Willow Grace Lewis, Chris and Hannah's fifth child, and that baby girl that they've been wanting, she was the 50th baby that I've dedicated here at, at, in this building at Grace Church. We have at least one more on the way as far as a natural birth, at least one more that I know of. Um, people keep secrets about this stuff, and they just pop it on you out of the clear blue sometimes. But uh, hopefully we'll be dedicating number 51 in not too long from now. But who knows how many are coming spiritually? 
Who knows how many are coming spiritually. I'm still looking for the people in the balcony, and I'm happy to tell you that this year they've started trickling in. They've started trickling in this year already. Thank the Lord. There's a power in the unborn baby. Uh, I want to apologize to Noah. We have a video clip. Uh, Chris videoed when they came to our house, um, well, a little over 14 years ago, and told us that Noah was on his way. I wanted to play that video, Noah, and the, the file type for that video is too old. And our equipment back there won't play it. But I was going to play it here tonight for everybody. But me and Sister Murphy's response to that announcement was very similar in expression to what I get from out here when I preach something of promise and what have you. Oh, no, it ain't hand clapping. No, stop, stop, stop. It ain't none of that. Casey said, well, me and Chris are having a baby. And this was Sister Murphy and I's expression. That's all we could muster up. It was a little hard to believe. We had no clue. Of course, Sister Murphy said after the fact, yeah, I knew, I knew, I knew. I didn't. I didn't have a clue. I just thought they came over for a visit and Marcus and Cassie was there. and um, It just took a little while for reality to sink in and to believe what Casey was saying. You know what persuaded, especially Sister Murph, as she had nothing in her hands when she made that announcement. Chris and I are having a baby. We just sat there and stared. So she turned around, went back to the kitchen and brought in that little sonogram, is that what you call it, thing? The picture? And the whole environment in our living room changed just like that because she showed us that. I didn't have a clue what I was looking at. And she pointed to this and that and this and that. I didn't see none of it. But somehow I just believed the promise was on the way. Finally, a grandbaby coming to our home. We still love Noah. He's still amazing. Amen. That I want to use that illustration, and, and a lot of you have experienced that. How many grandparents are here tonight that remember when your son or daughter came in and said, we're having a baby, and the excitement that you felt and what have you. It's amazing. There's something about the unborn baby. You, don't, you can't see it. There's no evidence. I mean, early on, there's not. By month eight or nine, if something's not changing, you get a little nervous. But um, it's the power of the unborn baby. Even before Jesus was born, he was impacting the lives of people. Just the news of him being born. It's interesting to me, I don't know what all was said and, 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 and conversated between Mary and Elizabeth that day, 
But Elizabeth had no trouble believing what Mary said. I don't read any doubt. I don't read any, I'm skeptical of this. I don't know. You know, we've waited for 4,000 years for this to happen. And why did God pick you? None of that happened. Elizabeth bought into it whole scale. Just total faith and trust. There was no evidence. There was no proof. There was nothing that could be seen differently about Mary. It's interesting (laughs) that because Elizabeth received it, her baby inside of her received it. I don't know if y'all have your head around that yet or not. I'm starting to get a little preachy right now. If we can believe in what God is birthing on the inside of us, then shouldn't what's on the inside of us get a little excited about it? Amen. So even before Jesus was born, he was causing a stir and who would become John the Baptist. Man, I've got so much right here, I can't get past this point. Zacharias and Elizabeth, of course, were priests in the temple. They worked in the temple. That's where they lived. Zechariah had a vision and, and this incredible relationship with God. They were the ministry team in the temple. They were the ministry people in the temple. <laughs> Y'all... When they heard the promise of Jesus coming with no evidence, with no proof, I don't find where Elizabeth was particularly prophesied to by anybody that Mary's going to come to your house and tell you that she's expecting the Messiah. When Mary showed up and just told the story, I'm going to assume She said, Gabriel came to me and said, I'm going to have a child, but Joseph is not the daddy. When when something like that had to have been said, in my opinion, from my point of view, something happened to Elizabeth. She believed it. And because she believed it, what was on the inside of her began to stir and jump around and rejoice and get excited. I believe tonight there should be a level of excitement in this church right now. There should be an ex- a level of expectancy in this church right now. What else does God need to do for us? So why is there such a power that the unborn baby brings. Why is it there? Well, before I get into that, let me talk to you about the opposite of expect of expectancy when a woman is about to have a baby. It's called barrenness. Barrenness in the Bible especially is a malady that no woman ever wants to experience. It is also a malady that no church wants to experience. Barrenness in a church is oftentimes due to a lack of prayer or people getting contented 
with where they are in their relationship with God or they could be overwhelmed with carnality. That causes a church, its altars, its baptistry, and its chairs to be barren. And I realize there are seasons of growth and there's different ways you can monitor growth that's biblical in a church. Growth isn't always numerical. We all want numerical growth, but I believe people need to continue to grow spiritually in your relationship with God, whether God is adding to the church numerically or not. And I feel like we've been doing that over the past few months, especially over the past few months. But in Bible times, a woman could be cursed for some reason, usually because of her attitude or her judgmental disposition. As it was in the case of David's wife, Michael. She's a great example of this. Again, y'all get on board with me. David had fought and fought and been through a lot of trouble and trial and heartache to get that Ark of Covenant back into Jerusalem. He went through the mill. God drug him through the ringer, if you will, to get that Ark of Covenant back into the possession of the people that it belonged to, who had a right to have it. The Ark of Covenant was a type of the presence of God, you understand. And when it came back into Jerusalem, David couldn't control himself. He couldn't help himself. The Bible said he began to rejoice. He began to dance. He began to shout. He began to make known and to manifest his feelings. We have finally got the presence of God back in our possession, where it belongs, where it needs to be. We've got God on our side now. The Bible said that Michael ridiculed him in her heart. He was acting like a fool. A lot of people misunderstand the scripture setting. He took off his king's raiment And I've actually heard ministers say that he was dancing essentially in his undergarments. That is not true. He slipped off his kingly raiment underneath that. He had on a linen ephod, which was a garb and the garment of the priest. He put himself, he took his kingly robes off because nobody's worthy to be king in the presence of God. Nobody acts like a king. Nobody wears a crown, the king's crown in the presence of God. He put himself in the role of a minister and a priest. And he danced and he rejoiced and he shouted and he proclaimed his excitement that God is back in our possession. He prayed and prayed and prayed that that would happen. And it did. And it took a lot of sacrifice. A lot of animals lost their life. A lot of animals lost their life to get that ark back in Jerusalem. Listen to Pastor and what I'm about to say. If God heard your prayers, which he has, and if God answered your prayer, If God performed for us our most desired miracle between now and this coming Sunday morning, how would you act this coming Sunday morning in church? I've heard people say, 
Pastor, I've prayed and I've fasted and I've prayed and I've fasted. I've committed and I gave this up and I gave that up. I've actually heard people say that I'm going to fast until my backslidden relative is prayed through the Holy Ghost. I've heard people say that and have attempted to do it. But what I very rarely see is when people's miracles do come to pass. Well, thank you, Jesus. It's kind of like the nine lepers kind of thing in the New Testament. We very seldom come back and just act like a fool because we're so excited. I didn't tell you the rest of our video clip. When reality finally dawned on Sister Murph and I that we were having our first grandson, our first grandbaby, didn't know at the time it was going to be a little boy, but our first grandbaby was coming. It took us a minute, but when we got our head wrapped around what Casey had just said, we got on our feet. And our eyes filled up with tears. And we just started hugging everybody. Chris was videoing and I hugged him. I just blocked out the whole camera. I didn't care. I was excited. I've got a grandbaby coming. I've got a grandbaby coming. I want somebody. Could our response just reflect that the presence of God is on the inside of us? If you want your John the Baptist miracle to be born, maybe we should receive the promise with a little more excitement, with a little more joy, with a little more fire, with a little more passion come on grace church i know it's wednesday night somebody get on board i want a move of god i want an outpouring of the holy ghost and i want god to know i want it i want to tell my body that i want it i want to tell my mind that i want it i want god to have his way hallelujah i believe something is wrong when there is the absence of joy. I believe something's wrong when there's the absence of excitement. We butt God to death. And I'm not talking about the anatomy. I want this God, but. God, I need this, but. God, I'll do that, but. God, I can do this, but. We just butt God to death. If we could just take it face value that we are so full of promise and pregnancy right now. If we could just show it just a little bit. Just let it dawn on us at what God can do for us and has the potential of doing for us in the next few days and weeks and months. Bible said in Genesis 11:30 but Sarah was barren. She had no child. And when she told was told she was going to have one. She thought it was a joke. She paid the price for that. In Genesis 25:21 Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. In Genesis 29, 31, and when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb because she was hated. And her sister Rachel continued to be barren. Let me move on. Barrenness is when nothing is produced. There's no new life. It's hopelessness. It's 
I've been through too much. I've experienced too much. Or I've not experienced nearly enough to believe in any promise that God wants to make to his people. Contentment will only lead to a spirit of lukewarmness. And it would not have surprised me had, listen to what I'm about to say, and this is strictly pastor, I have no Bible. But it would not have surprised me, A, that if God did not know how Elizabeth would react to the announcement of the coming birth of Jesus, he would have seen to it that she was never told. That's one. Number two, as if she did not respond appropriately, it is possible that she could have miscarried the promise that was in her womb. Her womb. I've often wondered, and I have studied the scripture setting for years, and I've contemplated. I wish there was more detail about it, but I've often wondered when we apply that to our lives. How many times have we miscarried the promise of God on the inside of us because we didn't take it serious? We didn't respond the appropriate way. We didn't respond the right way. We just took everything for granted and just maintained the status quo. Come on, Grace Church. I want to see some excitement get a hold of us. I want it. I want it. I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. I want to be excited. I want to feel that anticipation of a move of God that's coming to this church. Here's what the Bible said. I preached this one night a number of years ago when Toby and Donna Pajak attended Grace Church before they moved to Chicago, as they call it. I didn't say that right, Ashley. You could probably say it better than I could. But, but I remember preaching this one night. They desperately wanted a child. Desperately wanted a child. They cried and we worked with them and talked to them and tried to comfort them. And one night I preached this, this, this passage of scripture and I called them out during that message. As on a, when we was having church on Sunday night, Isaiah 54, 1, Sing, O barren, that thou did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that did not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. I preached that to them. They were here a few Sundays ago. They've adopted four children. I walked back and was teasing them, and I said, well, is this the Payjack family right here? Toby, without, without hesitating, with no pause whatsoever, looked up at me and said, no, there's at least one more and probably another one that we're going to try to adopt uh, as soon as we possibly can. I thought, my God, man, it's, uh, God opens the windows of heaven. He gets serious about it. Be careful what you pray for. But there was a sparkle in his eye. There was a smile on his face. It may not be coming from my loins, but God, but God, God has given me children. They're coming from above. They're coming from a source that I didn't see coming a long time ago. They're coming from a vineyard that I didn't sow in. God has given me a harvest from a garden that I didn't plow. Listen to me, Grace Church. God has a harvest for this church and babies to be born. There's got to be some excitement. There's got to be some joy. There's got to be some anticipation. 
running out of steam. I'm doing it again. I'm literally on like my first or second page of notes. And right now I'm fatiguing really bad physically. And I'm going to get through it. The Bible went on to say in Isaiah, Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cards, and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles, and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Enlarge the place of thy dwelling. Why? Because babies are on the way. Y'all sit there and look at me like you're just hearing this for the first time if you want to. But I'm getting my head around it already. I understand I've had a jump start. This has been boiling in me since the first of the year. I'll mention to you again, I mentioned it Sunday. I put together a team of intercessory prayer warriors and we've been praying and some strongholds have come down and I believe God is going to open the windows of heaven. I believe it's already started. I believe we're already seeing it. We've got to see and anticipate what God is going to do. Let me continue on. I'm kind of skipping parts now. Grace Church, over the past three plus years, it's been a struggle for everyone, Melanie. It's been hard on everybody. This family has been through far more than what most of you may even know. And I thank God that Boo and Melanie are still here. Like a tree planted by the water. But it seems like every family in our church. Last year was, I believe, the most difficult year I've ever had in ministry, both personally and church-wise. We watched one family after another in this church be attacked from every angle and every which way you can imagine. The devil has too many strongholds in this church, but a lot of them have come down. Yes, they have. Yes, they have. Since the beginning of this year, I have felt a heaviness that's been in my spirit for months. I have felt it lift off of me. I have felt more freedom and liberty in this pulpit. If you can't tell, just pay attention to what's going on right now if you don't mind. That's a good example of how I'm feeling right now. Oftentimes, oftentimes, I pointed it out to Brother Dave, Numerous occasions this year during the worship set on Sunday morning, I'll ask him, do you hear that? Do you hear that? While they're up here singing, instruments are playing. The sound system is booming. We can still hear a row of noise coming out from these chairs right here as people are praising God, not with just that little old denominational hand clap or whatever. I can hear, I love you, Jesus. I hear people speaking in tongues. The front of the church is flooded nearly every Sunday morning, not with just young people. We got old people coming down here now because they want to get under the spout where the Holy Ghost is coming out. There's a sense of excitement. There's a sense of joy returning to our atmosphere tonight. And I thank God for it. I'm telling you tonight we're expecting Jesus to manifest himself in ways we've not seen. I'm trusting 
And I'm feeling in my heart that the waters are being healed. This year has brought in a season of fruitfulness and joy and happiness. And I believe with all of my heart that the days of bearing altars and an empty baptistry is coming to an end. It's not only, it's not, uh, not only has there been a season of intercession, but we are preparing our campus. We're preparing our building for a time of growth and harvest. I know that buildings don't bring revival. I know that chairs and carpet don't bring revival. I get all of that. But when new people walk in the door at Grace Church, I want them to know we freshened it up for you. We've been expecting you to show up. We've got a brand new lobby just because we knew you were coming. And if you want to be baptized, welcome to our nursery over here where you can change into your baptistry garment and we'll baptize you in the name of Jesus. God, I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Woo! Hallelujah. You may ask, how do you know this? Because of the promise of God. I know today that in my body, there's an air of expectancy. I believe something is being about to be born out of me that I don't even know what it is. I believe God is going to produce something out of me that I can't, I can't describe, but I know it's on the inside of me. And I feel the same way about a whole lot of you here tonight. Let me, let me tell you what God does when the enemy comes through and wreaks havoc. Let me tell you what God does. There's people here tonight that think because of your divorce, you'll never recover. There's people here tonight that think because you've had a death in your family, you'll never recover. There's people here tonight because of financial crises, you'll never recover. Let me tell you what God does, if you'll listen to him. I'm not making light of any of that. But I believe God can heal the body. I believe he can heal the mind. And I believe he can heal the spirit or our attitude. I believe God can heal our perspective. A lot of our truth is based on our perspective, not reality. It's just based on how you see it. God can change how you see things. He sure can. I want to tell some families here tonight, you may know who you are by about what I'm about to say. If you don't, I'll tell you after church. I was talking about you, in case you don't get it. But there's families here tonight that have worried and sweated. You've prayed. You've interceded. You've travailed. You've done everything you know to do about your kids and for your kids. I'm happy to report to you tonight, your kids are still coming. Your kids are still coming. They're not coming because they may see everything the way they should see them spiritually. They're coming because they had a mama or they had a daddy that would pray and intercede and beg God and plead with God to keep a hedge around. That ought to have somebody on your feet tonight. Your kids could be out there somewhere, but they're in here, and they're still coming, and there's still hope that God can work a mighty revival through them. Oh, yes. So, 
Here's what God does. In Joel chapter 1, verse 4, this scripture setting has more meaning to Sister Murph and I than any of you can imagine. And what I'm about to say, the same identical thing happened to Sister Landry a couple of weeks later. We were in our house when we lived in Wisteria Lakes. Sister Murphy's phone, for those of you that have been there and remembered that house, was sitting on the kitchen bar. We didn't serve alcohol. It's just a, it's a dry bar. Her phone was sitting on the counter, just sitting there. She was in her office at our house, and I was in my office, and all of a sudden we heard a song playing, music playing. Sister Murphy had been through a very challenging time. It was around that time that it's about 10 or 12 ladies came to our house on a Sunday evening and prayed especially for her. Some of you may remember that. But the song that was playing on her phone without anyone touching her phone, nobody did nothing. No one was in that house that we could see. Her phone started playing a song that was written by the inspiration of the scripture in Joel chapter 1, verse 4. That which the palmer worm hath left hath a locust eaten. And that which the locust has left, the canker worm eaten. And that which the canker worm has left hath the caterpillar eaten. In Joel chapter 2, verse 25, God promised the nation of Israel. And he is well on his way to fulfilling this promise as I speak. He said, I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. God caused this curse and judgment to come to Israel. He allowed the canker worm and the locust and caterpillar and palmer, he allowed them to come. But don't think that God, and if you don't believe it, ask Job, that God can take away that he can't restore tenfold a hundredfold. The conquer, the, the palmer worm, excuse me, the palmer worm gnaws. The locust devours. The canker worm destroys. Well, the caterpillar, they're waste management. They just come pick up the garbage that's left. God said, I can send whatever I want to diminish you. But I can turn right around and pour out a blessing that you won't be able to receive. You don't believe that? Ask this man. I'm not just talking about it. I won't go there for on Dawson's account. But I do know their house flooded. And a great part of our this whole central area flooded in 2016, and you all know that. I walked up of his, his driveway as Brian Tier had a, a tractor hauling all of their flooded belongings, their life, their life's earnings out to the curb. And I stood there with tears streaming down my face, and I saw his old flooded-out Bible sitting on the table. He was hoping to dry it out and salvage it, but it was too bad. And I watched all of that, and I, I walked in, and he still had that smile, but his eyes brimmed up with tears. And we tried, everybody tried to comfort them and say it's going to be okay. And, you know, people don't always know how to take that pat on the back. And if you think this is I'll be okay. How do you know? I can say those things because I know him. That's why I can say those things. He will restore. 
He can restore. Isaiah 66, 9 says, Shall I bring to birth and not cause to bring forth, saith the Lord? Shall I cause to bring forth and shut the womb, saith thy God? Shall we come, Grace Church, this far and not continue our journey into a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost? God said, I can shut the womb, but as easy as I close the womb, I can open the womb and children will be born. Children will be born. All of us remember how bad Abraham wanted a child, him and Sarah. How long did they wait on Isaac? I don't want to be explicit in any way, and I, I don't want to be vulgar in any way. But I have felt it in my heart for a number of years, and I've preached it here at least once, more graphically perhaps than I should have. But I still believe it. When God promised them, when God promised Abraham's seed, when he promised him a, a, a child to be born, a man-child, Abraham and Sarah, I don't believe, ever stopped trying to conceive. They didn't just sit back and, well, we'll just wait on the Lord. I believe they kept, they kept, they, they, they kept trying. I don't read in the Bible where that was an immaculate conception like Jesus' birth was. That child came from Abraham's loins. Was he 99 years old? When that happened, a hundred when Isaac was born, they didn't give up. They didn't quit trying. That's all I'll say about that, and you get the point. Shame on us if God has made us a promise of growth and revival, and we quit trying. So what is God going to do then? I believe he's going to bring a mighty revival. I believe it's already started. Let me hurry on because I'm out of time. Exodus 23, 25. But you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of thee, God said. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. No more barrenness. Deuteronomy 7, 14, he said, Thou shall be blessed above all people. There shall not be male nor female barren among you or among your cattle. So what is the power of the unborn? Can we do some more altar music? Did any of our musicians see that coming, singers? Get up here and play something, eh? So what is the power of the unborn? The unborn brings hope. <laughs> Going back to Sister Murph and I. And what's interesting about Noah's birth announcement is it was just a few months later. That Casey and Chris walked in the house with Noah. How was he? Six, eight months old, something like that. Had on a t-shirt that said, I'm about to be a big brother. 
Sister Murphy screamed so loud she scared Noah and she had to, he started crying and she just kind of threw him, tossed him through the air airborne into Cassie's arms because she just had, she couldn't contain herself. She didn't literally throw him, but it was close. Why? Because after you see one born, there's hope for another one. You remember Abraham wanted Isaac so bad you remember when Sarah died? He married again. I don't know how old he was. I preached it one time years ago. He went on with that wife to have not one, not two, not three, but five more kids over 100 years old. You know why? Because after the birth of that first one, there's hope for a second one. Let me say this as carefully and as humbly and understand what I'm about to say. I told Brother Dave not too long ago, I'm getting old. Stamina's running out and all of that. But I told him I still believe that I've got at least one more revival on the inside of me. You know why I say that? Because I've already had one. As a matter of fact, I've had more than one. I remember a time in Baker when we had 25, 30 people. When one family came to church, and before that family was done, we had a close to 25 people that prayed through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. One was a homosexual and was dying with AIDS, a man taller than me and weighed about 100 pounds. And I baptized him in Jesus' name. And God filled him up with the Holy Ghost. And he died about four days later and went from here to there. Yes, he did. I birthed the revival once. I birthed one here. I burst it a bunch of times and I just feel like somebody that there's something on the inside of me that says I can do it again. I can do it again. I can do it again. I can have a move of God. I can have a move of God. It's not too late for God. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what's happening around me. It doesn't matter how bad it's been in the past. I believe Grace Church has time and availability to have one more outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Seeing our young people run the aisles, it inspires me so much. We had a brand new family came in a few minutes late a couple of months ago they're still coming and just as they walked in the door that whole group was just right there at the door and they were almost stampeded to death by about 20 or 25 young people running the aisles they jumped back real quick I could not help but smile and wondered if they would come back they were back the next Sunday and they've been coming back, and they've been coming back. And one of them has been refilled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost already. True worship, true worship don't scare people away. Listen to pastor and I'm done. Our burden, our burden must not, let me start over. Our burden must supersede our attitude. 
our burden and our passion must supersede our attitude and our carnal spirit. We must overcome complacency with desire. We must overcome lethargy with vision. Our lack of faith must be overcome with faith to move mountains. Our dead, dull, and boring services must be overcome with spirit-filled explosions. Our poverty of prayer must be overcome with a bountiful supply of heavenly blessing from above. Our world filled with sin must be overcome with our hearts full of grace. say it again before I ask everybody to come. I want to say this again. I mentioned it two, two Wednesday nights ago. I believe there are people in this building today, right now, that are only a few steps from God and what He wants for them and for a miracle ministry. I believe there are men and women that are here tonight that are just a few prayers away from a new dimension and the Holy Ghost that will be the ultimate expression and dream that you have desired. We can all get an inadequate perception of what revival looks like. And it can cause us to miss a significant visitation from God. Everybody stand. Those of you that know me, I don't get up here and whistle in the breeze and just go through the motions. If this is not real, genuine feelings and what I feel in the Holy Ghost, I wouldn't be preaching it. But I have struggled and I have fought through things for several, for the past several years. And most of you know it. But I feel something on the inside that I can't explain. I just can't explain. And I don't have as much evidence right now as I would like to have. It's not maybe not showing all the way like it could and like it should if you understand what I'm saying. I'll tell you right now, Pastor, in my heart, I am pregnant with promise. I am pregnant right now with something that is about to be born and unleashed in me. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I believe there's a lot of people in this church right now that feel the same way. You're working at it. You're working hard at it. There's still stuff going on in your life. But that don't mean God ain't around. The kangaroo may still be eating stuff in your life, but that don't mean God is not still in control. Would you gather up? Would you gather around? And just ask God to let you feel one more time that promise. To give you the faith one more time to accept that promise. And if there's a Jesus being born on the inside of you, being conceived on the inside of you, it's going to affect somebody around you, and it's going to affect somebody else around you, and it's going to affect somebody else around you. Do you want to follow what I'm saying? I'm asking for somebody right now to open your heart. Would you open your heart tonight and pray to God, let a revival be born in me. God, let me feel the power of the unborn. Let those around me feel the power of the unborn. Just because we can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Young people, get on board with me. You can do this. You can do this. 
You can, you can have this with your friends. Let them feel the Jesus on the inside of you. Don't abort your Jesus to be like them. Let them feel your Jesus. Let something happen on the inside of them that they desire the Holy Ghost, that they desire to be baptized. Let something happen. Let something happen. You take what the enemy 